You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Good morning, good morning. Good to see everybody. Good to see some new faces. We're we'll just pull the handheld mic volume down a bit because I get loud. Just because I'm passionate, not because I'm mad. I'm actually super happy. <laughs> Anybody else happy? <laughs> Anybody else excited about Jesus this morning? Yeah, thank you. Come on. The, I heard somebody say once, the church should look more like a party than a funeral. <laughs> the Bible says that God sits, Father God, he sits in the heavens and he laughs. He laughs at the plans of the enemy. You know, that uh, sounds a little crazy. But sometimes we need a little bit of craziness. Because craziness in the kingdom is actually peace, joy. <laughs> craziness in the kingdom is actually our new life now, our new normal. Because we're new creations. Wave at me if you're a believer. Hey. Um, my name's Sarah Webster. I'm the worship pastor here at Revive the World. And um, today I'm going to be um, bringing what I, what I feel like the Lord shared with me this morning. And um, I think that it's going to be something that's specific for us because it came so abruptly. <laughs> you know when you have a plan and then the GPS is like rerouting? And you're like, hold on, I thought I knew where we were going. <laughs> but I'm just going to stay to the course. I'm going to stay to the course and I'm going to follow where you go. I tried to tell my mom that, but she doesn't trust um, she doesn't trust maps. She doesn't trust the phone directions. Anybody else? <laughs> I try to tell my mom, I'm like, look, mom. She's like, well, where are we taking 70? Are we going 465? I'm like, mom, I'm just, I'm trusting that maps knows where we're going. I didn't look ahead. I know what time I need to be there. It tells me what time I'll get there. I'm blindly just trusting that it knows what it's doing. Like everybody else now in the century. We just, if, if maps was gone and we had to use a real map, we'd be lost. I have no idea how to use one. That, you know, in the spirit, that's how we need to be reliant on the Holy Spirit. That's how, you know, we were actually made to be that fully reliant on the spirit. Everybody else is like, well, what's the plan? What do you mean? When you get off the exit, where are you going to go? And it's like, look, I'm just relying on the spirit that he says, when I get there, I'll know what to do. When I get there, I'll know where to go. I'm not going to be reliant on my head knowledge or the fear that's trying to help me to plan a step ahead of what he's doing. But I'm going to be in the flow of what the Spirit is doing. And when I get there, I'm going to partner my faith and trust that he'll know what my next move is. Because when I believe that God's a good father, I will believe that he told the truth when he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. <laughs> And regardless of the pain of life or what life didn't turn out to be, that he stands true to that word. I'll never leave you or forsake you. How many people have experienced some heartache in the past three years? Anybody? Like, like heartache, heartbreak, loss, pain. You know, God, is it still true that he has not left you or forsake you? Sook you. <laughs> forsook you I don't know what the tense is it's still true regardless of what life brings he's still true to who he is he will not leave me he is with me in it one time God told me stop trying to pray away this this mountain that's in front of you we're going to run up to up it together 
We're going to run up it together. There's people in the thistles and in the bushes and at the wayside and caught up in life. And they need to see someone who knows how to run with me. (laughs) They need to see somebody who knows how to keep going. They need to see someone who can do it with the joy of their salvation on their mind. (laughs) Doesn't mean I don't cry. I've had some good cries the past couple of years. But God was right in it with me. One of the scariest things I've ever done is to actually face the pain that was in my own heart. And guess what? He was in it with me. He's a good father. He's a good father. He really, really is. I've said he's a good father and not believed it before. He really is a good father. And he, he loves me like I'm, like I'm his favorite. But you can say it too, but I won't believe you. <laughs> He treats every single one of us as if we're his favorite because he is that he is. He's love. It's not an emotion that he feels. I'm going off on this because someone needs to hear it today. It's not an emotion that he feels towards you. It is who he is. He cannot change who he is. It is what he is. So, so when, I, when, I, when I receive love from him, he's actually coming up as who he is and giving who he is to me. He gave who he was to us with the cross. He didn't just come and die on the cross so that we could feel an emotion of God. He came so that we could be as he is. (laughs) As he is in the world, so you'll be. (laughs) That's what love does. So he really, really is good. He's a good father and he loves you. He loves you like a good father, not like a skewed view of what goodness is. Not like a, not like a uh, well, I don't see the whole picture, so like God knows what real love looks like. So that's why sometimes he does this or that. If it would look like abuse if my father did it, it looks like abuse if he does it. It's not love. If it would look like control and manipulation, it's not love. <laughs> His love is unconditional. While we were still sinners, he came. On my worst day, he saw me as his favorite. On my worst day. That's good news for me. It's good news for me. On my worst day, he saw me as his favorite because he sees the whole thing. He sees the whole thing. God loves you and he's for you. He is not against you. (laughs) just let that sink in sometimes you know we can get caught we can get in the routine of church stuff we can get in the routine of reading the same old scriptures over and over again but they're new every morning the power is the same that raised jesus from the dead and the truth of the word it can resurrect us again today It can resurrect the identity that he placed on us because of the cross again today to where we can be unified, united with the joy of our salvation once again. Some of us need to be reintroduced to the joy of our salvation. You know, it was for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It was the joy of knowing that we would be his. And now on this side of heaven, we get the joy set before us of knowing that we are his and that's why he came. And one day we'll be in eternity with him, continuing on the love letter. Continuing on the intimacy, continuing on the journey with him. We get to start on this side of heaven. And we get to bring him things that we can't bring him on that side. It's, it's actually really an honor and a privilege. He loves you and he's for you. This morning I, I woke up with something ringing in my ears. Love has the final word. <laughs> Love has the final word. In John describes God. He says, God is love. 
Love has the final word. Who he is has the final word. The nature, the character of God as love has the final word. Regardless of what I've heard, regardless of what I've seen in people who were supposed to be really close to God or a representation of who he is, love has the final word. Love has the final word over your life. What love says. So it's important, if love has the final word, it's important that I know what love says about me. What if I told you that regardless of what you've ever done, the choices that you've ever made, even on this side of the cross, that his grace was still sufficient for you today? That his love has never changed and that you're still his fairy favorite? That even as you took steps away, he took steps towards you? <laughs> What if I were to tell you today that everything we've learned about what love looks like on this side of heaven can't compare to the love of God and who he is? That when logic tells us to put up a barrier and a boundary because we can't trust, but love comes in and breaks it down every time and says, regardless of your behavior, it does not change who you will be to me because I'm your father and I love you. Romans 8, 15 through 16, I will not get off of it. It's my verse for the year. It says that he is our father. Paul's talking to the believers, and he's reminding them and empowering them and emboldening them in their faith because I'm, I'm, oh, I, what I can see as I read that verse is, is people getting together saying, but look at my life, or people getting together and saying, but look at their life. Are they worthy of the call? Are they worthy of what you're saying we're called to? Are they worthy of what you're saying Jesus did? Am I worthy of that? And he said, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty that sends you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you received the spirit of full acceptance that enfolds you into the family of God where you'll never feel orphaned again. And the spirit of God unites with my spirit in saying the words of tender affection, Abba, Father. It makes the Father's, it makes God's fatherhood real to us by speaking to our innermost being. You are my beloved child. It's in the word. I could take that scripture and just live off of it. Everything that ever told me I had to work for his love was a lie straight from the mouth of the liar. Everything that ever told me that now on this side of heaven, we had the big prayer. We had the big moment. And now you're going to have to work for it forever. <laughs> you have to keep it up. This moment's only going to last for this day. You feel full, real light. You let all your sins out. You repented real good. You got all the groans out. And now you need to be perfect forever. And um, it's going to be hard because you're prone to do things that aren't a part of what I made you to do. So, but just make sure that when you lay your head down at night that you repent for any thought you ever had or anything you ever did just in case I come in the night because that won't be good for you. Like, that sounds like, you guys ever heard of Krampus? It's like, that ain't Santa. <laughs> That sounds wicked. We can see that. We're like, Santa's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a tradition for the kids. It's supposed to be fun and bring joy. And Krampus comes and takes your gifts. You're not good enough. That's how we treat God. We call him a father, and then, and then we, we'll, we tell our kids that and show our kids through our own relationships with them that they have to work for our love. That if you don't measure up, watch out. That's not who he is. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. The spirit of full acceptance is what we received. Oh, that moves my heart. Full acceptance. What if we learned to fully accept us 
in our woundedness, in our brokenness, right where we are, just learn to extend hands of mercy and hug those wounded places of our hearts just the way that Jesus does. Because he doesn't say, you have to be fixed first and then I will love you. He says, let me love you where you are. I'll come to you. Let me love you where you are and allow my love to move your heart to be moved into a place where you become who I made you to be, where my love makes you whole. It doesn't come from a place of, I need to please you, I have to work for it. I'm afraid of the punishment that will come if I don't get okay. But it comes from, I'm so moved by this unconditional love that I have not deserved. My heart is moved to be like you. And could I be like this father who says I'm his? And all of a sudden, it becomes more desirable. It becomes more, um, it becomes more attractive to, to test the limits of what we're capable of with Jesus than sin ever was. All of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm so moved to, to test the, what this word really says is true in my life. To live really free, to live with walls down, being vulnerable, to pray for the sick and see them healed, to take this word at, for what it is, and that becomes more attractive than sin ever was. <laughs> because I know I'm fully loved, and I'm probably going to mess it up, but he's with me because he'll never leave me or forsake me. He's with me. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's good news because I need his mercy and his grace. I need it. I will not do it on my own. I cannot. I am not powerful enough to fix me. But what if I learned how to accept myself where I was at so that my walls would come down enough for him to extend his mercy and grace in there and, and, and allow his love to fill up the empty places inside of me and make me whole again? <laughs> Where would we be if we learned to do that? How could we then love the person who's broken sitting in front of us that just isn't getting it? <laughs> if you just did the advice I gave you, if you just have given you the scripture, I've, give, I've been praying, if you just, how would we be able to extend that same mercy and grace and compassion to the one in front of us if we truly decided to do it for ourselves. The most selfless thing I can do is to truly allow God to love me because it will change everything. Because like I said, his love is not an emotion that he feels towards me, it's who he is. So when I receive his love, I receive who he is. And I start to look like love. And I don't even have to try. When I really know that I didn't deserve it and his love comes and meets me in that place <laughs> and says, you're my favorite. <laughs> hey, babe, you're, I'm going to sit with you here. If you want to, when you're ready, we can get up and, and I'll, put, I'll put new clothes on you. I'll wash your hair. But I'll sit here as long as it takes. I'll be with you in it. Because you're mine. <laughs> love has the final word over your life. <laughs> I love the um, verse in, in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. It says, and we have come to Jesus who established a new covenant with his blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat. Blood that continues to speak from heaven. Forgiveness. <laughs> a message better than Abel's blood that cried out justice. Whew! His blood is still speaking. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that's so good, you guys. His blood is still speaking. The blood that he shed on the cross 
It's still speaking. It's speaking redemption over our lives. It's speaking the name that he calls you child. His blood is still speaking. It never stops speaking over our lives. In our worst day, his blood was crying out from the ground. His blood was crying out, you are mine. You are my child. <laughs> you receive the spirit of full acceptance. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good because we forget. We forget. We forget that his love is good enough. His love is enough. His love is enough. Any need that I have, his love is enough. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough for me, and it's enough for the one in front of me. It's enough. His love has the final word because his blood made it so. Wherever you've been, whatever you've done, his blood is still crying out, you're mine. <laughs> in those moments, I wonder if we could learn to, in those moments of failure, in those moments of mistakes, in those moments, if we could remember the blood. My sin is not powerful enough to change what the blood did. <laughs> My will is not powerful enough to change what love says about me. My behavior is not powerful enough to change who God says I am and who I am to him. The blood has the final word. <laughs> and it's still speaking and it doesn't shut up. I wonder if those moments, if we could partner with that truth and just cry out with the blood, I'm his. <laughs> when the enemy comes with and wants to put that spirit of religion back on us that says, you're going to have to work to make this up. You're going to have to work to get back to where you used to be when you were passionate and full on. You're going to have to work to get back to make it up. <laughs> I'm his. I still hear the blood. <laughs> the blood's still speaking in the words, final, I'm his. Sorry, I'm his. I'm his. Whew, I, I've just felt... this morning that that just ring into my ears. Love has the final word. And I also wanted to, with that, feel like the Lord is, is drawing us into a deeper place of family as a community. <clears throat> He's drawing us into um, a deeper place of vulnerability. He's drawing us into the family room. And, um, and, and you can't be pushed into the family room. Um, you can't be bullied into the family room. <laughs> can't be manipulated into the family room. The family room is available. And I feel the Lord drawing us into the family room. And with that, family, we all come from families that did not live up to kingdom family. We all come from families that did not show us what kingdom families should look like. Because we all do the best with what we've been given. And whether it was malicious or it wasn't, family comes with wounds. Family comes with messes. Anybody got kids? 
I got about five spaces on my wall that shows that I have kids in my house. Left their little signatures. Family comes with messes. Family comes with, with spills over here. Comes with arguments over here. Family comes with, with its set of issues. But the thing that a lot of our families, you know, didn't, didn't teach us that that kingdom family shows us is that family doesn't quit and family doesn't change. We don't choose it. Family is. It's, it's a birthright. And in the family of God, sorry you didn't choose me, but I'm, I'm, I'm part of it with you. We're in it together. And, and I believe that there are, there are bodies, there are churches, there are communities that God has uniquely drawn people into his presence, drawn people into encounters in, in those places because he has a bigger purpose for that community to be able to see him revealed in the earth in a greater way. But also, you know what happens in community? Healing. Wounds from family can be healed through family in a way um, that I, that it's just, there's a special way. Wounds from community, from church, from religion, can be healed in moments in church, in community with people. Brokenness and woundedness from fathers and mothers can be healed with other people in community standing in the place and being fathers and mothers in the community. And I believe that God is calling us up into and drawing us into this deeper place of family. It's like he's saying, come on into the family room. Listen, I didn't say there wasn't going to be any messes. It's actually going to be messier in the family room. Out here, it, when people, the, you know, come in the lobby way, you know, the sitting room, that's where the fancy stuff is. The sitting room, the chit-chat. That's where the nice lamp is at. That's where the rug that nobody, you know, got anything on. That's where the shoes come off. That's where, that's where you put use the coasters. Come on into the family room. That's where the real stuff happens. That's where the pizza roll is still under the, the couch. You know, their socks. It, it, that's where they're yelling. That's where they're laughing. That's where we're playing the games. That's where we're connecting. That's where they're having the fights. In the family room, I think sometimes we get a glimpse of the family room on its worst day. And like, dude, I didn't sign up for this. See ya. I'm going to go back out to the, the nice place. I'm going to go back out to where everything is good and like people I don't really have to let my walls down because I went in the family room and I didn't trust what was going on there. But I I believe that the Lord today wanted to speak to some hearts and say there's an invitation to come into the family room and it's not going to be cleaner than the lobby. There's going to be messes and it's going to require vulnerability. It's going to require you making a choice to come on in. I had, <clears throat> I had a dream. Let me read this first. Um, we're going to look at... Uh, Luke 14, 11. Start at 11 and read through the rest of that chapter. <clears throat> Do me a favor. I'm going to... You probably have heard this before if you've been in church too long. But can you... Um, can you make me a, a... Can you do something for me? I'm going to read it like it's the first time I've ever read it. 
if you'll receive it like it's the first time you ever heard it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Let's see what's in here. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. Okay, we're going into the story because Jesus is sitting with people and they want to know what God looks like. What does the father look like? He's sitting with people that no religious people would sit with. He's sitting with people that everybody would have turned their noses up at. The prostitute, the thieves, the outcasts, the drunkards. He's sitting with those kind of people and he went to them. And they want to know what the father looks like. And this, when Jesus was asked, what does the father look like? This is the description that he gives. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. He's talking about his inheritance. So he divided to them his livelihood. All the savings. He's dividing the savings. <clears throat> and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal living is like living like an orphan. Like you don't have nothing to lose. You don't have nobody, nobody to go back to. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. So he's hungry. He's like, I need to do something. So he's feeding the pigs. Got a job. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. That's pretty desperate if you want to eat pig slop. He's starving. Think about the level of just like shame that you would have to have to just be like, this is what I'm worth. This is what I deserve. Um, this is where I'm at, and this is where I'm going to be. This is probably what I deserve, you know? But when he came to himself, I like that. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish them with hunger. Listen, the goodness of God is so good that even when we have a misunderstanding of who he is and his character, it will still draw us to him. It will bypass every bad filter that we have about who he is. Look, he's sitting here thinking, there's no way my dad's let me back in. But maybe some people of God who are good people will help me out. I'm not daring going to go into the glory where God is. I'm not daring going to go into a worship service. But maybe a good Christian person might, might lend me a handout. <laughs> I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Listen, I love the language that Jesus gives them here. If he saw him, it's one thing that he ran to him and it wasn't a custom for them to run. It was rude and it was below them. So the father was being humble and running. But it's another thing. He says he saw him a far way off. You know what it would take to be able to see his son the moment that he decided to come home? It would take a father who never lost hope. It would take a father who stood with the light on on the porch and went out every night and looked. Look, I'm going to go out one more time. I'm going to go and I'm going to sit on the porch. What are you doing, Daddy's not coming home. Don't you know he took everything and spent it? I heard about them talking about him in town. He's been with all the prostitutes. He's spent everything. He's an addict. He's been in the drug. He's been down there with the pigs. I'm going to go out because 
if my son comes home, I'm going to greet him. I'm going to see him. I want to be the first eyes that he sees. A father who never lost hope with the light on, looking out the window, going down the drive, checking one more time to see him a far way off. Look at all the time that had passed for him to spend his entire inheritance to find himself in a pig pen and to decide, I'm going to go home today. From a far way off, he saw and he ran to his son. He hugged him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put on a ring on his hand and sandals on it. Listen, his father wasn't even worried about the repentance. His father wasn't even worried about him, him saying, This is all that I've done wrong. He wasn't worried about the behavior and the sinning. He wasn't worried about the behavior. He interrupts him and says, get my robe, get my ring. We're having a party because my lost son has come home. It wasn't you, I'm going to do this and then you'll celebrate me and then you'll bring me in. He already had a plan. He'd been waiting. He'd been waiting. The party was already set. He had no doubt in his mind that was the plan from the beginning. When he decides to come and call this a home, we're going to celebrate it. There's no working back to where you were. There's no working back to where you were. There's more to that, but we're not going to go into it. I had this dream. And in the dream, there was, a, there was a celebration going on in the backyard of this home. And they were putting up lanterns at every four corner of the, of the four corners of the celebration. And they were putting the lights up. And, and the lights just would draw you in. And there's, it's still night. So they're, they're, they're preparing for a celebration. And, and people are um, excited. And they're putting this, they're decorating. And they're getting this celebration together. And, um, and so they're going in and out of the house to, to put this celebration together. And, um, and in the midst of them going in and out of the house, this, a stray cat comes along. And the stray cat is rubbing up against the people. And, and they're like, ah, I get the stray cat. I grew up in the hood, and we don't have pets. Okay? Sorry for all the cat lovers. But I, I, I can relate to this on a deep level. You know, when the cats come around, the stray cats is like, go on, go, you know, you probably got rabies, you probably got your fur coming out. Sorry if that sounds not compassionate, but that's just how it was. You, you don't mess with stray cats, okay? They got fleas. You definitely don't bring them into your house, um, you, you know. So the cats are coming around, the cats coming around, and everyone's like, ah, get this thing out of here. They're shooing it, shooing it away. And they're still coming in and out of the house. And in the midst of them coming in the house, the cat darts in the back of the house. And in this specific house, there's a mud room <clears throat> where you come in, take off your shoes, it's to clean yourself up from being out, working. And then right next to it, you can see the family room. It's in the mud room, then the family room. And, um, and then the, to the back door. And um, so it runs in, and there's people already celebrating in the family room. There's people in the family room, and the cat goes in to the mud room. Everybody's freaking out. Get the, and I run in the house, and I'm like, get the cat. It probably has fleas. Get the fleas. Don't let the fleas get anywhere. I'm trying to protect the house. I'm like, look, we can't get fleas. Get the cat out. All of a sudden, Jesus comes in the back door. And I'm still in the mudroom yelling in the family room, go watch the fleas. We can't let it contaminate the family room. This is where everybody's going to be. Jesus comes in the back door, and I'm, like, confused because I'm like, Jesus, you're the guest of honor. Come through the front door. But he chose to come through the back door the very way that the cat thought was its only way into the family room. And he holds the cat like it's its own in his arms. And he just looks at me, and he has a smile, and he's just holding the cat. The cat's dirty. There's fleas all over it. 
He's holding it like it's its own in the mudroom. He's like, I'm not worried about the things you're worried about. Stop worrying yourself about stuff I haven't asked you to do. Stays in the mudroom with the cat while everybody else is freaking out in the living room. Sometimes when we come into the family room, we're going to hit the mudroom. And people are going to try to get us clean. And let me just tell you that Jesus is not worried about the things, about the broken places that are still in us. Jesus is not worried about the places where we still haven't got it yet. Jesus is not worried about the things we still haven't overcome yet. Jesus is not worried, but people get worried sometimes. You know, when we try to get clean before coming into the family room, Jesus doesn't work like that. We'll never make our way in. We'll be stuck in the mud room. We'll be stuck there for the rest of our time here. It'll just be about me, get every single flea, get every, the dirt off, and then I'll be ready to go into the family room when I'm acceptable and people will accept what I got to offer. You know, I need to stay in the mud room, get all clean first, because that's going to be what these people can handle. But today God's saying, I'm inviting you into the family room. The mud room's actually the last place we hit before we get all the way home. I'm inviting you into the family room. You don't have to sneak through the back door and try to get clean first. Come on in through the front door. You're welcome. Listen, and some of us as Christians are still offended by the fleas. We're still offended, and we forgot that the whole celebration we've been preparing for was the one soul being saved was the one person that we pushed off. <laughs> Can't handle that mess. The whole celebration was for that one. He's going to be start bringing people into the family room, and just as our hearts long for people to show us grace and mercy and love in the family room and our vulnerability, would we be willing to make a commitment with the Lord to show grace and love and mercy to the one who has fleas that look differently than mine. Coming into the family room with different wounds, different backgrounds, different trauma, different sin issues than mine. There's a place of vulnerability that community will heal through the power of the Holy Spirit, but he does it through community. And so, you know, I just want to end today by singing a song. You may have not heard it before because it originated here, but I really would like you to listen to the words. You can stand, you can sing with us, you can come and kneel and just receive from the Lord. Listen, the most selfless thing you can do is let him love you. And I just want to just sing this song over you guys and then we'll pray and bless you to go but just to, to receive the truth of who he is because I really feel like this is for somebody today to be reminded again that God loves you. He's your father. He's for you. And he has never turned the light off. He's always been waiting. Whether that be because we felt like we've been a prodigal out living our lives that maybe isn't acceptable to him or whether that's been just like we haven't had the grace to really keep moving forward with joy in our lives and our salvation and feel like you're probably, you know, upset about that. Haven't been able to keep my joy moving forward with you like I did back then. Listen, he's never turned the light off. He's with you. So we're going to sing this song over you guys. If you guys want to stand, you can. <laughs> it's going to be upbeat.
I just thank you, Jesus, for what you're welcoming us into as a family. No. 
this time I'm going to ask those who are on the prayer team to go ahead and come forward and if you need any prayer for anything this morning we want to partner with you in prayer as a family and if you just need somebody to to open up in a vulnerable way and just just within yourself and in community say I want to I want to make the choice here to to be vulnerable and open up and not to keep this in I want to make a choice to let my walls down here and just have someone partner with me in prayer and, and bless me and welcome me into this new thing of family that God wants to do in our hearts. I'm going to ask those people on the prayer team to go ahead and come forward. thank you for what you're doing in this in this community thank you for what you're doing in our lives oh, what a joy it is to know you to love you what a joy it is to follow your leadership <laughs> I just take the hand of love and go wherever you lead God, I bless our family here and all that you're doing in their hearts and in their lives. And thank you for the increase of your spirit. Just the awareness of who you are showing up in their lives. And we just give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys want prayer, you can come forward. We love you guys. We love you guys. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.